Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma, Patrick Mooney traveling this uh, this day. So Sahadev and I are going to carry this one. And uh, we're going to talk some Cubs. We're going to... I'm Listen, I'm going to mention at the top the, what happened in terms of the series of the Giants, but then I'm, I'm like avoiding it because it's the same <laughs> BS again and again. Cubs won the first two games of the series. Hooray! Great! And then it's a Sunday before an off day to try to complete a sweep. I mean, if you had $100 in your pocket and you didn't bet on the Giants yesterday, you are a fool because that is a trio of guarantees that this year's Cubs will lose. They never win on Sunday. They never win the day before an off day. And they never complete the sweep unless it's the A's. They're, they're literally one for seven in attempts to complete a sweep. And I did the math, Sahadev. Do you know what the chances are if it was say say you had a 50-50 shot of winning each of those games which I think is you know reasonable overall 50-50 chance do you know what the context neutral chances are that you would lose all 6 1.6% wow 1.6%. So what that means is either the Cubs are just super unlucky cuz 1.6% isn't zero sometimes just that would be the roll of the dice or it means there's a pretty decent chance that there is something, some factor that could explain how the Cubs are inadvertently tipping the scales against themselves in those games. And that would require maybe delving into uh, things on a psychological level that I'm not going to do. Um, and instead, I would just note that it's it's really quite extraordinary at this point that the Cubs cannot finish off a sweep. Um they obviously got smoked yesterday by the Giants. Hayden Wisniewski continues to look really quite good against righties and really quite bad against lefties. And yesterday it was Jock Peterson going deep twice off of him. And, you know, I don't know. We, we don't have to do a whole big Wisniewski thing because we want to talk about the other two starters in the series because we've got a lot to say about Stroman and Hendricks. But I did want to note one thing. You know, seeing how much Wesneski is struggling against lefties this year and how good he's been against righties, I actually have found that encouraging. Like, I know other people see that as like, uh-oh, this is a big problem, you can't overcome it. Maybe not. But at least it's like such a bright, strong dividing line that you know what needs to be worked on. Like, you know who he needs to be able to attack. You know what pitch types he would need to improve to be able to succeed. Uh, and it reminds me of Albert Azalai, who had the same issues, and now he's been owning lefties. Now, granted, in a relief role, but nevertheless, I just like when it's a super clear issue that needs to be worked on. Yeah, yeah, I think that's totally fair. I, I, I get what you're saying with that point. Uh, and and I think there are some, you know, using the cutter more perhaps and, and getting that to be an effective pitch you know that's that's part of the answer right uh I, I think that it's not like oh how did they fix him this is impossible that he has no future with the team there are uh he I, I think they can use this season if uh, depending on what direction the next couple of weeks go uh to try and figure out uh how to fix him as a starter and if not I, I don't think there's much of a question that he can be a pretty effective reliever. I think that was always kind of the floor with him, like very effective reliever. Uh, and I even got some of that when he was first traded for. So maybe those scouts that I thought were light on him were actually uh, kind of pretty accurate, but I, I don't want to write him off as a starter either. We, like 
we and I and I do this all the time and and I think we all do it but we tend to just jump on these instant reactions and and let ourselves be convinced by a few starts or a few outings and it's uh it's 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 not the right way to go about things but it's so hard not to when when you're covering the day-to-day of baseball of of like jumping on something and and you know being like has Hayden Wisniewski taken his game to another level is this a small sample size is this real then you see the spring training that he had and you want to believe that this guy was at another level and it's just you know he's got he's got things to work on and we'll see if he can be a viable uh you know mid to back rotation starter and and kind of uh work his way up uh over the course of his career i think that's some of the stuff you were saying like we need to talk about other things other than wasneski i think wasneski ties into exactly what we're talking about in the sense that all of it is about the future of the rotation and how the cubs need to attack uh, these things, whether it's Kyle Hendricks or Marcus Stroman or any of that, uh, Hayden Wisniewski's development, I think, impacts that. Yeah, I mean, it, it was interesting to see it set up that way in this series, and um, particularly with Kyle Hendricks and Marcus Stroman having such effective starts. Um, yeah, so let's let's talk about let's touch on Kyle Hendricks first. Just you know, a little bit of near history. Um, he went seven and two thirds hitless against the Giants. That's the deepest that any starting pitcher has taken a no hitter uh, this year, which, boy, I would not have had Kyle Hendricks on my bingo card for that if you'd asked me back in the spring. And and it's one start and there was some loud contact in it. Unbelievable catch by Mike Talkman in center field that helped preserve that for longer. But the fact that he's capable of a start like this coming off nearly an entire year of uh, rehabbing through this capsular tear in his shoulder, non-surgical. I mean, I wouldn't say, I don't know that I would go so far as to say that in the spring or probably earlier than the spring, I was thinking, you know, hey, there's a pretty good chance this guy just never pitches again. But it was more of a, hey, there's a pretty good chance that this guy never pitches at a level that you would look at and say, oh yeah, he can still be a big league starter. That was a very realistic possibility that he would make a few starts and we'd be like, ah, that's a bummer. It's not that at all. It's you look at it and you say, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to be 2016 Kyle Hendricks again, but I can see a back end starter there this year and and perhaps beyond. And that alone, uh, it, it makes a lot of these conversations about like, what are you able and willing to do with Wesneski's role or how you want to use this year for his development, it makes it interesting because the Cubs do have an option on Kyle Hendricks for next year. And so it's sort of like, boy, if he shows you he can be stabilizing at least still, that might give you, it might, it wouldn't change the way you think about an individual pitcher, but it might taken together with a lot of other things. It might give you the thought that maybe we could be a little more patient, you know, with Wesneski at AAA and try to really work on these left-handed things. And maybe he'll be up and down for another year. Don't know. We'll see. And um, So it, that that is to say, don't want to go too far with one outing of Hendricks or even the four or five that he's had so far. But I think that when we were looking ahead to 2024 and beyond and talking about things like, um, you know, Marcus Stroman's opt out. Drew Smiley has an opt out as well. And the young pitchers that are coming. I don't know how much of a factor realistically Kyle Hendricks was in that conversation. And now I think, you know, 
if we're talking about it here in June, I think you've got to include him in that conversation about one way, you know, what, to, how it impacts the Cubs. It's he's included in that discussion now. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, Mostly, I was looking at it as that's money that's going to be freed up, right? Like, don't sure, count right, that right, money yes. on the books going beyond this year uh, because it kind of felt like what what was the likelihood that he could be worth that? I think it's like sixteen million the option, or is it more than that? Uh, I think there's a buy. Uh, I think there's a buyout, so it's fourteen and a half net decision. I think. Okay, so so I mean, it it, it doesn't seem like that big of a contract right now when, when you see the way he's pitched the last few starts uh if you can kind of project that going forward if he is a three or a four that's kind of market value uh, <laughs> with someone with his were, pedigree right dude, there were fives that were getting that amount especially on a one-year yeah. deal it's like oh yeah yeah so it, i mean i i don't want to just say it you know there's no decision uh has been made as far as that goes right uh you don't need to make that decision now uh but it certainly is something that's worth debating now which i didn't feel was going to be that way and and you know kudos to kyle for getting to this point uh i think it's it, that watching that start i i know a lot of people were feeling very nostalgic and it was just bringing back memories and and it just felt it was a feel-good story and a feel-good uh that was saturday right feel-good saturday uh uh, outing like it just it felt good to watch that even as uh an impartial uh journalist i i enjoyed it it's like you cover kyle hendricks you know what how hard he works you know how good of a guy he is um knowing the full story of kyle hendricks and everything of a guy that wasn't was never supposed to really get to the heights that he did uh it's nice that that wasn't the end, right? The the shoulder injury and then him just kind of fading out and then having maybe a few blow up outings and then needing to be DFA'd or something. Uh, that that hasn't turned out to be the case. Let's uh, let's hope that's not how it ends up. But it you know so far we've we've seen that he's more than capable and and if this team is going to stay in it, uh, he could be a big part of it. And that's. That's fun. That's that's exciting to think. You'd really like them to try and you know become relevant and and get going, because uh, what a what a story we, it would be if if Kyle Hendricks is pitching meaningful games for the Cubs in August and September. Get your uh, comeback player of the year futures in now. Um, so, speaking of the overlapping conversations in the rotation for 2024 and beyond, but also for the rest of this year. And there's not, I don't really have a super artful way to connect these things because they're all just layered on top of each other. You've got Marcus Stroman putting in the best season of his career so far by almost any metric. And that includes that blow up in Minnesota, which I'm inclined to just toss out. Um, You know, we can, there's two conversations to be had. There's the, the, the extension stuff that's been talked about a lot and we'll get into, but there's also just the note of how good he's been this year and how much you would hate to waste such a tremendous season from a guy who, you know, represents the Cubs shopping at the top of the free agent market at the time when they signed him, that was, you know, he was among three top free agent arms and, there was a lot of, I think, I don't know what the word would be, but you know, Kevin Gaussman and um, Robbie Ray got the bigger deals. 
Um, Robbie Ray has been, I think, disappointing for the Mariners and then unfortunately has been injured. Gaussman has been intermittently fantastic. Um, and Stroman got, you know, a much shorter deal. And I think the thing was, oh, well, that's, you know, clearly means he's the least effective of the three. And the Cubs, by contrast, this was the guy they wanted to bet on. It was a lot like the Jameson Tyone signing, which has not gone well so far. It's like when you swim in these waters, you want it to to be a very successful swim. And, and it really has with Stroman. And so I hate the idea that when they extend themselves to, to really sign a top free agent and it works out the way you hope it is going to. And then, but it happens in a season where it's like, Oh, another non-competitive year. I think all of these same things about Swanson, by the way, the Dansby Swanson signing, it kills me, kills me that he's playing this well after the Cubs like really extended to, to sign a top guy. It's like, you just, you can't waste that shit in a year. Um, and they, they by and large are. And so, I don't know. Do, do you want to talk about any of that part of it or do you want to get right into the extension stuff? Well, I mean, a little bit of that is, I mean, I, I, we don't need to dig into this too much, but I think it's it's valuable to point out that, that you know, as much as Jed deserves criticism for some of the smaller signings, uh, a lot of the big signings have worked so far, right, in these last couple of years. I, I mean, you can you can quibble with that. You can argue. You mentioned Tyon. That's a big signing, and it hasn't worked, but it's been two months, two and a half months. And if we looked at Stroman two and a half months into the his contract, we would not be saying that's a success. Um, I'm, you know, I, I, I look at, say, Suzuki, and I like him a lot, but I also think um, – there are ways that he, you know, I think his approach is is good, but also I would like, you know, we, this has been a topic of discussion, and, and Patrick and I will have a piece coming out tomorrow about uh, how his lack of aggression is hurting him and, and kind of keeping him from maybe tapping into a little bit more. And even uh, when I dug into the numbers, and I think you'll see this uh, tomorrow, um, it, it's not just that he's not being aggressive. It, it's when he is on these pitches that he should be attacking, he's not doing as much damage as he should. So so it's like compounding where, where okay, you can be super, super patient, right, and wait for your pitch. But when you, when you attack that pitch that's your pitch, you better do damage. Uh, otherwise, because those are the pitches that the greats do damage on. And now if you're going to be this patient, uh, Juan Soto-esque, player who just doesn't swing uh the damage has to come on those pitches and it hasn't I think that's where and I'm not saying say Suzuki's bad I'm saying I'm saying I have high expectations for him I think he has the qualities of a of a much like a a top tier type offensive player and he and he's uh by not doing damage on those uh pitches that that great players do do damage on or not doing enough damage, I should say. Uh, it kind of keeps him from from being a star, and that may just be bad luck. Uh, you know, I, that's uh, that's just one of those things. And this will make more sense when that piece is out. What I, what I mean by that, but it's essentially like in the zone, heart pitches are are not being uh, not being taken advantage of, uh, maximized by say Suzuki, and then uh, you know, I mean, who else are we talking about here? Swanson and Stroman, right? Those are home runs right now. I mean, Swanson looks like was one of the more criticized signings, I feel like, for this regime. Like, they settled on him. And, I mean, it's clear that he's he's the type of player that you watch every day, and he's better than 
than you realize just looking at the numbers. And I think his numbers are are. I was gonna say, and low. his numbers are awesome this year. Yeah. Yeah, but I I don't think his numbers are like are accurate as far as you know what I like when I watch him. Like everything is hit hard and on the line. He takes pitches really well. He works counts. Like he, there are times when when I feel like man, he should have a few more hits tonight than he does or you know like that that happens I feel like uh, on a pretty regular basis with him he's been one of the more impressive guys that I've watched on this team uh but yeah let's uh, I mean when it comes to Strowman man I you can't deny the results right Brett like this this guy's been awesome this year he's been uh, everything that the Cubs need uh He stepped up in the moment multiple times. When this team needs a win, he has just delivered a great performance. He has limited the opposition. He's using a defense behind him that an infield defense that's just awesome and and that's that's the best he can do, right? Is really utilize Swanson and Nico and and be this elite pitcher. Uh there's a, I feel – why don't you set up – why don't you explain the whole uh, extension situation and how it came up? Yeah, so uh, apologies to anyone who's already intimately aware of all this stuff, but I'll try to give enough background to set up the discussion. So Stroman's deal with the Cubs is a three-year deal, but he's got an opt-out after the second year, which is after this season. And given the way he's pitching, it's quite clear that he will opt out, as he should, into free agency. And so – when a situation is like that and you've got a team that's currently not winning and June, July starts to approach, you're naturally going to have this conversation about, okay, so is this a trade the guy situation or is this a try to lock down an extension conversation? I think everybody knew that that discourse was going to kick up at a minimum, if not sooner, it was going to kick up at least in July. And for his part, Stroman has been clear publicly that he's very happy with the Cubs. He's happy in Chicago. He would like to to stay longer term. And I think he, it, it sounds like, well, so what, what initially happened is he, he sent out a reply tweet to a Cubs fan account that was uh, praising his stats. So it wasn't, there was, it was kind of out of context. It was sort of, he just kind of dropped it out of nowhere to say, you know, um, listen, I really want to stay. We've tried multiple times to engage the Cubs in an extension talks and they have not been interested in talking right now. And it was sort of a, oh, that's kind of a big thing to just sort of drop in a reply tweet. And so it, it, it naturally became a bit of conversation. And then Stroman followed up in some interviews uh, with reporters, including, I believe it was Mooney um, with The Athletic, uh, where he just amplified those thoughts that he just wanted to make sure that people knew fans knew, for example, that if, and when that whole extension trade, does this guy really want to stay, whatever talk comes up, he wanted to make sure he was out in front of it, that he does want to stay and he does want to talk to the Cubs and they just haven't reciprocated that interest yet. Now I would hedge only a bit and say, I wouldn't have expected them to in June, that just doesn't, that's not really a time when that makes sense, but certainly they better be having that conversation in late July. Like you've, you gotta know, you gotta know at least what's, what you're choosing among if you're thinking about a trade. Um, so in any case, that's kind of where it, where it rested and Stroman doesn't, I don't think wants to talk, doesn't want to talk about it much more. Jed Hoyer, um, gave Mooney, a you know, a very kind, no comment just about hey, Stroman's been great. 
we're really happy the end. Um, and so I think it leaves us in a position to, to, to discuss, you know, what, what should the Cubs be doing long-term with Stroman? What should the approach be? Uh, you know, it, it doesn't really strike me as like a, you know, an, uh Oh, off the field drama situation. It hasn't had that feel to me. Um, I don't know if it strikes you differently to me. It's really been more of just a, you know, everyone just wants to make sure that the messaging is right out there. And then it'll be a conversation for next month, probably. Yeah. I, I think I, I don't love that Stroman uh, brought it up at this point in time. Uh, the team is kind of struggling uh, and, and the team needs to focus on getting wins right now and trying to get back in this race. And I feel like it's a, uh, kind of unnecessary to be brought up publicly uh and and it doesn't i i just don't see the the real value of that outside of getting fans on his side and fans weren't already saying like they weren't saying like what's up with Marcus Stroman why won't he sign an extension i think they were more their their fans are generally annoyed with Jed and and the front office and and David Ross right like that's where their anger has been can, can i just so say far. one this this is not a defense of anyone involved, but it just makes me chuckle that one of the biggest responses from fans to <clears throat> at least like very vocal fans. I shouldn't say that this is like all fans, but among the more vocal fans, when Stroman mentioned this, it's like, Oh, of course they haven't talked extension. They never do. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you realize they literally just extended two players like two months ago that, that just yeah. happened. So let's take it easy on that. And it wasn't a lack of talking with Javi and Rizzo and Bryant and right. Contreras, really. Like, they'd approached all of them at different points, right? It, it Maybe not right before they hit free agency or the year that they uh, – or their walk year. But, it, it, like, with each of those, it was – you know, let's not – we don't need to re- rehash that. But they, they had all no, I would like the rest, various points. The rest of this podcast <laughs> is going to be about the 2021 trade deadline. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So I don't, yeah, my, yeah, I just don't love that that it's being brought up at all. Uh, I mean, of course, uh, Marcus Stroman wants to talk extension when he's pitching some of the best baseball of his life. Uh, yes, and uh, like, where is the leverage for Jed Hoyer right now? Where is that? Like, he looks like the, one of the most important pieces for them presently and in the future. Fans will be irate because they think, how can you possibly replace this player? He's irreplaceable. When a year ago they were like, what a shitty signing. I can't believe you signed this garbage player. Clearly, this is why he was available uh, for just uh, three years. Uh, so, so, you know, it's, it's very easy to play with the emotions of the fan base with this. I don't think that's exactly what Stroman was doing, but I don't think it, it, it makes much sense to go public. His, his reasoning was let's get out in front of it as if, uh, Jed Hoyer regularly negotiates in public, which I don't think is the case. Uh, Jed's been very careful ever since. And this was after Rizzo was traded. He made a mistake and talked about some things on a radio show, I want to say, about the, the Rizzo extension talks. And uh, and it was just poor phrasing more than anything, maybe a slight bit of oversharing. And uh, and I understand why Rizzo didn't love it and took it took it uh, in a way that that, you know, in a negative way and, and kind of gave his side of things uh, it, that that's all to say, like. 
I understand why Marcus Stroman is saying he doesn't want uh, one narrative to be pushed. But no, that narrative wasn't out there that he was suggesting could be pushed. Um, yeah, I, but I, we've seen it. We've seen it before. I wonder if he I haven't looked into the clips, you know, from but, but I wonder if he experienced some of this in New York or Toronto where what it is is not the front office saying, you know, it's speaking out. It's that something gets leaked to someone that's like, oh, hey, his ask, you know, his ask doesn't really seem like it's reasonable and doesn't really seem like he wants to be here. And I'm not I'm, I'm inventing hypotheticals to to respond to you, because like you said, none of this has happened but I, i'm just saying it's not that hard to imagine sure a situation where it could have happened in the stuff. past yeah and exactly. he's reacting to that again i don't love it but ultimately this is the way i see it jed is like this is uh stroman has all the leverage right now right he's uh the pending free agent he's pitching at a very high level uh, he does look like a type of pitcher that should age well. So there's, there's he's got a lot of leverage here. Uh, Hayden Wisniewski isn't pitching well. Uh, they don't have like obvious, you know, five guys, a bunch of guys coming in the wings that, that you just feel no doubt about, especially when Wisniewski struggles. It's like, yeah, Ben Brown and Jordan Wicks should be ready by next year. But do you trust them if you're trying to make the playoffs? Uh that's that's a fair question. Uh, I just like let, does Jed Hoyer want to extend someone when they're at their peak value when there's still four months, three and a half months left to play, plenty of time for him to suffer a major injury or just go in the tank performance wise. All these different things could happen. It could also go the other way where he you know, ends up posting, you know, like a sub two RA for the season because he just gets better and better and better, throws 210 innings and is this freak ground ball getting nobody, nobody ever walks pitcher that, you know, is the leader of the staff. Now that's the risk Jed has to weigh. Jed has to decide and he has to decide is Marcus Stroman the pitcher that he wants leading his rotation as they try and contend in 2024 and 2025. My one thing, like, okay, I know they built an elite defense, but they have nobody in their rotation that regularly misses bats, right? It's all soft contact, guys. Uh, I think that that's always been a topic of discussion and always been something that Jed openly talked about. We want more swing and miss with the rotation. They haven't gotten it. You would like to think that Wisniewski could have been that guy. Ben Brown could be that guy. Uh, Jordan Wicks, Cole Franklin, whatever you want to talk about. But they don't have that guy currently in the rotation performing that way. Um, so, so what do you? So what do you do? Do you go out and spend that money on Marcus Stroman? Do you go out and pay for it for another free agent because it is a decent class? Do you? Uh, or do you hope that it just develops in in Ben Brown and, and others? I, I don't know what you do there, but I don't know if, if investing in all contact or soft contact oriented guys in your rotation makes the most sense. Now, that's not to say don't re-sign Marcus Stroman. I'm just saying, where is this money going and how are you distributing it all and how much do they, uh, how do you uh, kind of figure that all out? Well, in the fact that you're going through all of this highlights why it's not a June conversation. You know, there's in, unless the only reason a team <clears throat> and this is look, it's a business and I, I 
I sort of feel a bit icky about this side of things, but it's also just the reality that unless a guy is coming to the team in June and saying, hey, I'm going to give you a bargain today. If you sign me today, you can get a deal that you will look at and say, oh, wow, this is, we project this to be way under market. So we should take the additional risk and take the opportunity to get a trade return and take the opportunity to explore free agency, take all that stuff off the table and sign this guy today. It's got to be a really great deal. And the thing is, if you're Marcus Stroman, why would you be giving the Cubs a great deal right now? You're in the midst of a tremendous performance. You have the security of knowing that if something goes really wrong for you, you got a $21 million player option for next year. So there's your floor. Your floor is you're still going to make a hell of a lot of money. Um, why would you sign a sweetheart deal right now? You wouldn't. That makes no sense. And so while I am of the mind that this conversation, and, and I mean both us as outsiders having the discussion, but also the discussion between Stroman's reps and the Cubs front office, it does need to happen. There's no excuse for it not to happen. It just feels way too early to me. To me, that's a, again, the last 10 days of July conversation where you are much closer to having at least some additional information about how the guy's looking, how he projects, not a ton more, but you'll have more. And then more importantly, what the trade market looks like, because you got to know what you're choosing from among. And, and if the Cubs are going to be selling, which I'm quite confident they will be at this point, um, it, it, the only reason you sign an extension in June is if it's just too good to pass up and makes no sense for Stroman to offer that. So that's where I leave it. I, you know, I, it was necessary to cover and talk about this stuff because it's important, but to me, it doesn't make a ton of sense to belabor it right now because everything you just said, those are, you know, whether he's traded or not, it's like, those are conversations you could also have in November. Like, does this guy make sense for this staff going forward? You know, well, it's a loaded free agent class, relatively speaking. In, in the starting pitching group, it's it's actually quite good. And so the Cubs will have opportunities to think about their rotation in a different way. And you'll have more information about your youngsters, too. So I, I don't know. It all just seems very early, again, unless it was a sweetheart deal, which that makes no sense to me from Stroman's side. So um might end up being much ado about nothing until that last week of July. And then a lot of this will come back up again necessarily, but that's, that's it for me. That's all I've got to say on it. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, when, when you, you also have to consider his age, right? He, and I know, I know people are like, well, he, this is the type of pitcher that ages well. Um, I don't even know what that means anymore because Kyle Hendricks was the type of pitcher that ages well, but then people tell me that you Darvish is the type of pitcher that ages well. So what does it mean? Who ages well? Everybody, according to these, <laughs> like what I'm being told, everyone except uh, you and me, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, it, yes. Marcus Stroman has been pretty healthy. If, am I remembering that right? Has he been pretty healthy uh, throughout his career? Uh I don't know if I'd say you Darvish has been super healthy throughout his career. And, and just because he got a crazy six-year deal from the Padres doesn't mean that that's a good deal or a smart move on the Padres part. Uh, and uh, like Jed was like, I think we can look back at that deal and say, um, if you're going to put, you know, I think Jed was forced into a situation there, but I think part of the bet was, um, 
back end of that deal won't be as valuable, right? They, they, they were wrong on that bet, right? You Darvish was as valuable in the final three years as he was in the first three years. Uh, that's that's rare. Do you bet on another how many years is this going to take for Strowman? Do you bet? Do you make that bet on him? Listen, I get it. I was joking when I say I don't even know what that means anymore <laughs> with, with aging well. Yeah, he throws the type of stuff that as long as it doesn't degrade significantly, he should be fine. But also, like, if it does degrade a couple miles per hour, then that's that's a problem. Like, if, if he does end up with some minor injury, this is a type of guy that his body works in a certain way and injuries uh, small muscular issues can cause uh, delivery issues and cause command issues and and lead to problems with with who he is as a pitcher. So that's not to say that he's not worth re-signing. I just think uh, just saying like, oh, it's a slam dunk case and you have to extend him. And if you don't extend him, the Cubs aren't serious about winning. I, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I think the Cubs aren't serious about winning if they don't add a, a top of the rotation starter whether that's Marcus Stroman or someone else, right? They need that, and they need another big bat next year, and they need uh, and they need help in the bullpen. And and you know the bullpen is is one of those things that I think we're being reminded again uh, that fluctuates and is highly volatile. And I wouldn't write them off and being able to fix this in a year because it's the type of thing that falls apart in a year and gets fixed in a year all at once. So uh, it. it the bullpen is a completely separate topic, but yes, I, I understand the frustration that fans feel and the desire to show that they want to win. But I think, uh, I think it would be insane to suggest the Cubs are going to keep kicking the can down the road when they have Seiya Suzuki, Ian Happ, Dansby Swanson, and Nico Horner locked up uh, through 2026. Like what, what are they doing then? What like, what's even the point of paying those guys if they're not interested in competing a as soon as possible? And now, do they execute it properly and get the right players? Is the question. I don't think the desire to win should be questioned. It's the execution. Are you getting the right players? Are you are you putting them in the right position? Do you have the right manager? Do you have the right people in place to get the right players? Is Jed Hoyer the right person to do this? All those questions are perfectly fair. When you're struggling like this and you've had as many losing seasons in a row as the Cubs have, and if you really think about it, haven't been to a they haven't been to the playoffs since 2018. You want to count 2020? Fine, you can count 2020, but that wasn't a full season, okay? So it's 19, 21, 22, and it's looking like 23 where uh no no playoffs and then selling third straight in a third straight year in a row. So all the questions about where to place blame is fine. I don't think it makes any sense to question whether they're trying to win going forward because it just doesn't make sense to spend any money at all on someone like Dansby Swanson or extend guys like Ian Happ and Nico Horner and sign Seiya Suzuki, right? It just doesn't make sense. Yes. I I uh, make that argument quite often in my replies on Twitter because I, I do hear a lot about how this – this was the outcome that was intended for this season. And it's like, that just, it's nonsense. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and that'll be true. Even if the Cubs don't extend Marcus Stroman for all the reasons Sahad have said, they will be trying to compete in 2024. It doesn't mean they'll be successful, but it's uh it's a period of time where it, it makes absolutely no sense not to endeavor to win. 
Um, that's where we'll leave it. This is on Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That is Sahadev Sharma. Get his at The Athletic. We will be back at you on Thursday. Uh, Cubs playing the Pirates this week, the NL Central leading Pirates. Um, what a weird, bad division it is this year. So uh, that's another thing to waste this year if you're the Cubs. Great, great, great positive note to leave things on. I uh, hope you have a great week, uh, Cubs notwithstanding, and we will talk to you again soon.